Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Amen. Well, let's jump into the Word of God today. And I want to begin by reading Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. And this is a familiar passage of Scripture. So let's begin to read in verse 34. It says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. And one of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. It says in verse 36, they said, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Listen, as the pastor of this church, I can honestly say that these verses, without a doubt, are the ultimate goal of what I long to see in the lives of every person, doesn't matter their age, but every person that comes and calls the Anchor Church home. In fact, I'll just say it this way. When we actually begin to pull back all the layers, the reason for every ministry that we have in this church, the reason every ministry exists, if it be the children's ministry, the youth ministry, uh, you know, our corporate prayer time, if it's cultivate, if it's what we do here on Sunday morning in our three services, it is to simply do this. It's to come along side of you and to help you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and to love others as you love yourself. Because I just believe that if we can get those three things in order, then all the other things in our life will fall into place. Amen? Amen. So listen, the good news for me is, and all of this is I haven't met a true believer yet in the past five years we've been here in the church that doesn't genuinely desire to love God, to love people, to love themselves in the way God wants them to. How many of you guys know that's great news, right? But, but here's, the, here's where things get a little bit interesting as a pastor. Because in spite of that desire and our well intentions, the truth is, is I haven't met a person yet in this church, including myself, that doesn't struggle in some way to love God to love people, and to even love themselves in the way God wants us to. So if I can maybe put it to you another way, and I want to frame it up with this, is that uh, how many of you guys know that sometimes our desire and our reality uh, can look completely different? For example, how many times have we thought, you know, I truly desire to view God as a good father, but sometimes I doubt if that's really the case and if he even really loves me. Like how many times have we thought, man, I really desire to be kind to my spouse and my kids, but for some reason I tend to respond to them out of frustration and irritation more than I would like to admit. That I desire, right, to forgive others, but sometimes I feel rejected and offended, so I get bitter and angry and I refuse to let things go. Or lastly, how about this, that I really desire to be confident in who I am in Christ, but the reality is, is I struggle with my identity, and if I'm being honest, sometimes I don't like who I am and what I've become. Like the list could really go on and on, right? But here's the point, gang, is that it isn't as uncommon as we'd like to think for there to be such a large gap in between our desire to love and what actually plays out in our lives every day. Now, listen, I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear all those things, but I believe the overarching question that's screaming to be answered in this is why is there such a large gap between what we desire and our reality? Because there has to be a reason, right? Listen, I believe God very intentionally tucked the answer in the verse that we read earlier, and I want to revisit again in Matthew 22, verse 37, where Jesus said this. He said, you must love the Lord your God. I think we are safe to add there, you must love others and you must love yourselves with all your heart. Notice the next three words, all your soul. Can we say those three words? All your soul. I just think this, is that the hidden truth in that verse is this, is that the size of the gap that lies between our desire and our reality is ultimately determined by the condition or we'll say the health of our souls. 
right? Because if you remember what we've talked about for weeks now is this, is that guess what? As salvation, our spirit man, remember, our spirit man was made new, brand new, right? It was made complete. It was made mature. It was made perfect in God. But guess what? Our souls were not. Which means this, that on one hand, right, our born-again spirit man has this intimate, loving connection, right, readily available with God. That our spirit man, right, has this new nature that helps us love others the way Christ loves them. Our, you know, born-again spirit man has a new identity in Christ that defines who we are. But on the other hand, guess what? If we haven't done what we talked about last week, and we haven't allowed our soul to be renewed by the Word of God, guess what will happen? We will still struggle because we will be caught in this pattern of processing and filtering all of our thoughts, all of our decisions, all of our emotions through what? All of our pain, all of our hurts, all of our wounds, all of our disappointments, and all of our shame of our yesterdays. Which means this, it means that these unhealthy soul wounds or these unhealthy patterns, right, in short, they'll do this. They will cause us to view God incorrectly. They'll cause us to have loads of misunderstanding and relational conflict in our lives. And lastly, they will do what? They'll cause us not to see ourselves the way God sees us. Listen, the outcome of those things, as you can imagine, I believe, are far more detrimental than we'll ever uh, be able to understand on this side of eternity. Right? In other words, these things hold us back more than we would like to admit. These things keep us from fulfilling the plan of God and the purpose of God for our lives more than we would like to think. So listen, if we can, let's circle back to Matthew 22, and I'm just going to say this one more time. Hopefully it will get in our hearts, is that just maybe our struggle in fulfilling the two great commandments that Jesus gave us doesn't have as much to do with our desire, right? Because we desire a whole lot. But it, so it doesn't have so much to do with our desire as it does with the inner workings and the unhealthy pieces of our soul. Here's the bottom line, gang. If you want to take away anything from what I'm saying, it's this. is that if our thought patterns are not healthy, if our decision-making processes aren't healthy, and if our emotions aren't healthy, guess what? Then neither will our relationship with God, neither will our relationship with people, and neither will our view of ourselves. So, listen, with all that in mind, I want to ask you today, and if you can have a, a question that's kind of running through you today as we go through this, it's simply this. What is the condition of your soul? Like, if you came to, if you can imagine if today was like going to a doctor's appointment, you have a checkup, right? And if the Holy Spirit was going to come and he was going to check on your soul today, man, what would he find? What's the condition? What's the health of your soul? Now, to be clear, I'm not asking about your friend. I'm not asking about your neighbor. I'm asking about you. Amen? Amen. So let's shift gears here. Several days ago, I was praying, and I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, would you please give me a biblical example of a person who was saved, but they were still struggling in their soul? And in response, I feel like he led me to the book of Acts in chapter 8, and, he, and I feel like he pointed out a guy named Simon. Now, I realize what I'm about to read to you. Theologians have different views on it, and, uh, and I just said, you know what? I, I understand their views, but I'm going to go look at what the Greek words mean, and I believe I'm accurate in what I'm about to tell you, okay? So I want to, us to look at this. It is a long portion of Scripture. I ask you to hang with me if you can, okay? I'll do my best to be engaging. You do your best to listen, and we'll make it together. <laughs> Verse 4, it says, But the believers who were scattered, this happened after the church was heavily persecuted. It says, As they were scattered, preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. How many of you guys know that's a great day at church? Right? It says, so there was great joy in that city. A man named Simon, somebody say Simon. Simon. It says, Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years, amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great. It says, everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the great one, the power of God. It says, they listened closely to him for a long time. He had astounded them with his magic. Get that. So he had lived this way a long time. And it says, but now the people believed Philip's message 
of good news concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many, many, many men and women were baptized. And then it says this key verse. It says, Then Simon himself believed. Right? That he believed, that he put his trust in is what that means, and he was baptized. He didn't put his trust in Philip. He put his trust in Jesus. Right? So listen, here's the point I'm trying to make is that while Philip was preaching something incredible happening, this guy named Simon the Sorcerer, who nobody ever thought would change, he had been this way a really, really long time, he got radically saved. And so what happened to him at that moment is the same thing that happened with us. Guess what? His spirit man was made brand new. Right? He was now not only forgiven, but he was made a child of God, which gave him access to the love of God and the presence of God. That means he was given a new nature just like us. He was given a new identity in Christ just like us. In fact, he was so changed, the Bible goes on to say this. It says that he began following Philip wherever he went. That's a powerful statement. Right, to think about because that shows the life change that happened in him. Because I'm sure for a very long time, everybody else followed him. But he saw something in Philip, he heard something in the gospel that he said, man, there's something that I don't have and I'm going to follow that guy. Am I making sense to you guys? And then it says this, it says, and he was amazed by the signs and great miracles Philip performed. How many guys know if that sorcerer was amazed? Man, it was pretty incredible. Yes? And then it says, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. Since the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. It says, when Simon, now I want to pause here. Remember, Simon is a new believer. We don't know if this is an hour, if it's two hours, if it's three hours, if it's a week later, if two weeks later, a month later, we don't have a clue, but he's a new believer, right? And he said this, when he saw that the Spirit was given, when the apostles laid their hands on the people, he offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. I want to pause here for a moment. Do you guys think that was like a healthy moment or an unhealthy moment for Simon? Man, like absolutely, a thousand percent every day of the week. Bro, that was unhealthy. Now, I think it's really easy for all of us because we're sophisticated and we're mature in the Lord, right? We're, we're just amazing, right? I think it's really easy for us to sit back and shake our heads at Simon and be like, dude, you're a freaking idiot. Like, you're a knucklehead. Like, what would cause you to do that, Right? And listen, I think we should pump the brakes when you reel it in a little bit. And I think there's some things that we can learn from him because I think a lot of us can relate to him and and we can just do that. We can go, okay, let's look at this guy's life and see if there's anything that Jesus might want to show us. For starters, let me start with this. If 20 plus years of ministry has taught me anything about people, it is this, is that every person, good or bad, is who they are for a reason. That simple thought has helped me have more mercy and more grace to people than you'll ever imagine. Instead of automatically judging them by what I see, to really go, okay, there's a reason behind this. In other words, let me say it this way. Typically when we see a problem, we focus on the problem, but I've learned there's always a problem behind the problem. Right? In other words, so often we make the mistake of forgetting that there's a root that's always deeper than the fruit we can see. Am I making sense, you guys? And so watch this. So when we take that thought process and we bring it over here to Simon, I think we can learn something. Because I think it actually helps us to do this. Helps us to remember that this guy has spent only God knows how many years formulating ungodly thought patterns, ungodly behavior patterns, where his identity, his value, his meaning of life was wrapped around his ability to perform signs with magical, or we'll call it what it is, demonic, right, powers. Yes? So watch this. So in spite of Simon's newfound salvation, this moment quickly revealed the old patterns of thinking, right? The old patterns basically that caused him to revert quickly back to the unhealthy default settings that he had known for only God knows once again how many years, right? So listen, these default settings quickly did what? They quickly affected his view of God, 
They quickly affected his new life in Christ. They quickly affected his new identity in Christ in a negative, or we can even say in an incorrect way. If you can look at it like this, if, if let's say you came in here today to church and you had a, whatever, you had a, a wound on your arm, right? And it's maybe whatever happened a week ago. And so it's starting to scab over and uh, somebody walks over to you. I'm just trying to put you in Simon's spot for a second. And somebody walked over to you and they begin to check out your arm, what was going on. And they may love you. They may have the best intentions for you. But how many of you guys know when they start picking at the, that thing and they start pulling at that scab a little bit, there's going to be some unhealthy pieces that aren't in Jesus that are going to come out of you. Don't act super saved right now. Come on, right? There's going to be some stuff that's going to come out. But watch this. But in spite of that fact, listen to how Peter responded to Simon's foolish words. It says in verse 20, it says, But Peter replied, May your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. That's proof that his view of God was quickly affected in a negative way, Right? No, we're Simons. This says in verse 21, says, You can have no part in this, for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts, for I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. I think that those verses are hilarious. And here's why I think they're hilarious, because you guys think I'm straightforward. That is straightforward. <laughs> Like, I'm like, dude, see, listen, Peter brought Simon back to reality really quick. In fact, he probably didn't know it hit him and his head was spinning, right? But listen, with those few verses of mine, I want us to notice a few things. Notice that Peter pointed out Simon's wrong thinking about God. He pointed out, once again, his wicked actions, his evil thoughts, and he even said that Simon was full of bitter jealousy. In other words, he didn't pull any punches. So if you can imagine somebody walking up to you, right, and, and what they do is they immediately call out all your dirt so everybody can hear it. You got this, 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 and this, and oh yeah, don't forget this and this and this, and you. Thanks, man. Right? L listen, I just think when we hear this, here's a thought that I have. This is where I'm going with this. Do we honestly think for a second when Simon saw what was happening with Peter and John when they laid hands on those new believers in Samaria that it somehow caused all of that stuff to appear for the first time in Simon's heart. Absolutely not, right? Like, this wasn't new, right? All this situation did in Simon's life was, keyword was reveal the garbage that was already deep down in his soul. So why am I saying all of this? Once again, we're trying to relate, trying to learn. Why am I saying all this? May I suggest to you today that it's possible that the same thing goes for us. In other words, that when we run into situation that cause some ugly stuff, right? Like ugly stuff to come out of us that it, that's kind of embarrassing if we're being honest, right? That it really doesn't have anything to do with the circumstance or the person or the people that are involved. Rather, it is simply another moment, right? Where the unhealthy pieces of our soul are being revealed. Now, how many of you guys actually want to grow? Like you want to mature in the faith, right? Let me give you something extremely important if you're here and you go, I want to grow. I, in other words, I'm, I don't want to remain where I'm at. I want to move forward in the kingdom. I actually want to do something great for God. I want to actually know God in an intimate way. I want to do everything that God's coming. You, you get the point. In other words, you want to become what God's called you to be. So I just think this is extremely important is that when we begin to stop long enough to take notice of our unhealthy patterns in our lives, we can do two things, okay? Now, please notice I said the word patterns because it'll tell you a whole lot, about, a whole lot of things about your soul when you actually stop and go, what patterns am I, are in my life? I'm not talking about, you know, whatever. You, you, you had a bad moment on Tuesday and you did something you've never done before. I'm talking about patterns in your life, okay? I believe when you get to that point, you have two options. You can either do this. Number one, you can, you can continue to point the finger and blame everyone else for your issues. We've all done it. Yes, if they didn't, I would. That's blaming someone, right? When I was five, when I was a teenager, my mom, my dad, quit pointing the finger and blaming people. Yes, or we can do the second thing. Watch this. Or we can take that opportunity and we begin to realize patterns and we can begin to gain some much-needed self-awareness, right? And this self-awareness, what it does is it helps us to start owning our poor attitudes, our poor behavior, and our negative emotions. 
I believe if we can do this, we will uh, be well on our way to allowing the healing process of God to begin to happen in our lives where we actually begin to have our souls restored. And uh, I don't know about you, but man, I want that. Okay, so can I, can I help you with something? There's something key. When you quit pointing the finger and you start owning stuff, there's a key thing that's got to happen if you want to progress in the kingdom and you want to progress in this healing process. It's the word called repentance. Right? So listen, we're going to go through some things here in a minute. And I just want to encourage you in this, okay? It's amazing. The first service, I felt the atmosphere turn on a dime when I went here. And here's what started happening is people actually started running internally when we started to go where we're about to go. And I want you to know that the reason so many people are the same way for 10, 15 years, having the same baggage, same garbage, they're never moving forward in God, is because when the Holy Spirit begins to bring things up, they run. Now, they don't do that just in church. They do that in their own private times. They'll be reading the Bible and something will hit that old scab and they close it and they move on with their life. Or, or simply they're praying and God points out something. They go, well, I guess I'm done praying today. Or they change the subject, right? And they move on and they're missing growth moments with the Lord. Do you understand that God is good and he actually wants to heal us and restore us, right? So, so listen, please don't do me a favor. Do yourself a favor and don't run in these next few minutes. Amen? I mean, because listen, I believe that self-awareness actually begins to happen in our lives when we can begin to identify where our hurt, where our pain, where our wounds, where our disappointment, and where our shame entered into our souls. Now, if I can give uh, one more thought here before we dive in, is simply this. Please recognize that this can happen before you're saved and even after you're saved if you don't guard your heart. Okay, so here's the three categories I want to give you, uh, and uh, we'll just listen. Number one, here we go. The first way that soul wounds come into our life is this, is they come because, number one, they're self-inflicted wounds. They're self-inflicted wounds. You see, we can actually cause damage to our souls when we begin to hold unforgiveness in our hearts. Like, guys, let's be honest today. There's not a single person in this room that hasn't had something happen to you somewhere along the line. Somebody said something, did something, you got offended and hurt, and you held on to it longer than you should have. Man, I've done that more times than I can count. Anybody else want to be honest? Yes. So how about this? We actually even open up the door for our souls to be wounded when we begin to gossip or when we slander others when we complain or when we begin to cause division. Do you understand that a lot of times the words we go tell somebody else they actually cause division? They change people's view concerning someone else or a situation, a church, a company, whatever. Yes? Listen, we also do it by allowing thoughts of jealousy and envy to take roots in our hearts. We do it by allowing things or people to actually become idols in our lives. And lastly, we, we actually open up the door and we begin to give ourselves over to things like drug use, drunkenness, pornography, and even sexual sin. So y'all look at me really quick. There's this movement that swept through, I don't know, last decade. It's called the grace movement. Okay? Now, now the grace movement teaches you that God will forgive all those things and we're thankful for the grace of God. But I wish somebody would address the fact that we're wounding ourselves in the process and we're not moving forward and growing. Yes? Listen, the second way is by this, is number two, we open up the door by the choices of another, or I should say the door gets opened by the choices of another. Meaning this, this is when we actually become the victim of like sexual, verbal, or physical abuse, and it causes damage in our souls. Other ways this happens in our lives is through rejection, through betrayal, through abandonment. I, let me kind of maybe pause here and say this. Listen, in, in all of my years of ministry, I've never, ever, ever yet, and I may be, I'm not saying I'm, I'm completely right in this, but every person I've met that's been adopted along the line has had issues with abandonment yeah. and that we've had to help them work through it. Am I making sense? Why? Because it's a soul wound, Right. So listen, this can also happen when there's a lack of faithfulness or adultery in marriage. Or it can happen when we are neglected or emotionally detached from a parent. 
Listen, guys, I was a youth pastor uh, long enough to see, I don't know how many parents who were physically there that provided meals, provided houses, uh, you know, uh, or places to stay, right? Provided all these things, ride to this game or that game, uh, rides to school, but they were so emotionally and, uh, you know, detached, man, it was killing the kids. And lastly, we can also be wounded when we uh, begin to be treated in unfair or unjust ways by someone in authority. That can be mom and dad, can be grandparents, can be a principal, can be a pastor. It can even be a, a teacher. It can be a coach going down the list, right? But in short, the thing I want to show to you here is this, is that, that it involves uh, someone else's sin, yet it still impacts or still influences or affects our soul in an extremely negative way. Yeah. See, this is why I try to tell, especially fathers when I meet with, with dads, especially if they're struggling in some area of some sexual addiction, to try to get them to understand, look, bro, your sin isn't just affecting you, it's affecting everyone in your home, if you like it or not, because you're opening up doorways. Yes? The third way is through this. Number three is by traumatic events. And by traumatic events, I mean we endure things such as an unexpected or a premature death. It could be a friend, it could be uh, a spouse, it could be a child, it could be a parent. In other words, it wasn't expecting a man and it was tragic and, and, and man, we were totally caught off guard. Other traumatic events uh, that cause soul wounds are this, a divorce. Let, let me make something really clear here. Yes, it's a it could be your divorce or it could be uh, your parents' divorce. It can cause great damage. I have yet, once again, I know, I know I say a lot, youth pastor for a long time, and I haven't met a kid yet that wasn't affected in a, in a negative way through their parents being divorced. So let's not play like it doesn't hurt the children. It does. Quit lying to yourself. Okay? okay. Other ways is this, is by an accident. Maybe you had an abortion, maybe through miscarriages. All the way, it could go on down to this. Man, I even grew up in poverty. Man, we grew up so poor. And there's ways, man, that that stuff affects you. Now, now I want to make something really clear about those three areas, self-inflicted, choices of others, traumatic events. None of those lists are meant to be all-encompassing. But what they are designed to do is hopefully to get you in a position where you can open your heart to the Holy Spirit and go, Holy Spirit, are there any unhealthy soul patterns in my life maybe that I need to be aware of? Right? Because if we can engage with the Holy Spirit in this process, man, it will help out uh, greatly, right? And what will happen is because if we can engage with Him, we actually begin to show us things that affect our soul in an unhealthy way, but He'll bring it up for the purpose of not shaming us, but to heal us. So let me give you some examples really quick of how, uh, because I can honestly say, you know, since I met Jesus, I've tried my best to serve him with everything I got. I've been far from perfect. And, uh, and I'll say this, when I got saved, I was a mess. Yeah, I, I didn't grow up in some cute little A and everything was great. No, 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 no. I came in and I was ate up on the inside. And, and what happened was because I was, my heart was so for Jesus, then what would happen is, is guess what? He began to come and talk to me about some things. But I did what a lot of you guys do. He'd bring something up and I would repent of the fruit, but I would never have the courage to go on a journey with the Holy Spirit to deal with the root. And so I just kept this cycle of repenting and I kept this roller coaster ride. And then I kept wondering, like so many of you wonder, why do I keep doing this? Am I making sense? And so, and so, you know, I'd read the Bible. There it is. Somebody had talked to me, pointed out a pastor, come over. Hey, you know, you need to grow in this area. Yeah, yeah, okay, great, great, great. And then one day this happened, and some of you guys have heard me tell the story before, and I'll make it shorter than normal. But I was sitting in church one Sunday evening. I'm a pastor at the time. I'm a youth pastor. And, uh, and I was sitting beside Jennifer. We were engaged, and, uh, and we were a month away from getting married. And, and I had uh, this guy that was a prophet in our church, incredible man of God. He's a neuropsychologist by trade. He's, anyway, so he's a doc. And, uh, and he walked over, and he just said, um, hey, Quentin, uh, I feel like I need to pray for you. I feel like the Lord's giving me a word for you. Uh, can you come over here with me? And I said, do, do you want Jen to come? Because, you know, up to this point, it had always been good things, <laughs> right? Like every time he prayed for me, it was good. It was positive. And I said, do you want Jen to come? He said, no, just you. I was like, uh-oh, okay. <laughs> so I walk over there, and, and he just says this to me. He looks at me, and he is, man, he's serious. He said, uh, the Lord has given me a word of correction for you. So if I can maybe pause here for a moment to help somebody. Obviously, we believe in prophetic ministry. 
Okay, but there, there's this idea out there that if someone gives you a prophetic word, then you're supposed to feel really good afterwards. It edifies, encourages, and it comforts. And I realize that that's in the Bible, okay? But, but listen, I also realize that God may define some words different than I do. And his, and his idea of edifying may be a little different than mine. Because God has a future in mind where he's trying to edify me and build me up towards. And so he may need to deal with something now. So that's what happened to me that night. The Lord has a word of correction. Uh, the Lord wants me to give you a word of correction. How many of you guys know, everything in me right there wanted to be like, pew, <laughs> right? But I sat and I listened, and he began to basically uh, call out the dirt in my heart. I had a Peter moment, mm-hmm. right? I was Simon, and here's Peter. Thankfully, it wasn't broadcasted, but it was just the two of us. And he began to say, look, when uh, basically the Lord says that you, you have issues with loving people, and you have issues with being angry, and you have issues with being unforgiving, and, or lack of forgiveness, and then you have issues with women, and I couldn't deny anything he was saying. <laughs> None of them, right? And then he said this amazing thing that was a great motivator for a young preacher. He said, the Lord says, if you, he's going to give you a grace period. And basically, if you don't get it right in three years, then you'll no longer be in the ministry. Thank you. <laughs> I went back to my seat and I sat down. And I said, Lord, I know that's you. Because why? Because he didn't say anything new. The Lord already dealt with me on it before. I just, forgive me, grace, forgive me, grace, forgive me. And God finally said, look, I've had enough. You're hurting too many people. Right? right? You're, what you do is too important. You're hurting too many people. And I, and I love them more than I am willing to tolerate me patient with your stuff. I'm done with it. We're going to address it. That making sense? So I sat down, I said, Lord, I know that's you. What do you want me to do? And, uh, and he dropped immediately five books in my heart. And, uh, and God speaks to me a lot through books. He uses the books a lot for me. And, uh, and the funny part was, is all five books I already had, and I felt like uh, the Lord wanted me to buy them at some point or another. In other words, I was in a store, and like one in particular, every time I go in the store, it would be highlighted. And I'd be like, ah, highlight, ah. And there was only one copy, one and it remained for like well over a year in that store. And I finally, fine, I'll buy it. <laughs> right? And I put it on the bookshelf, right? And um, anyways, so I, I began to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Show me these five books. And I began to read them. And it was like, man, these authors all sat down together and said, how can we, how can we write five different books that say the same thing that gets Quentin? <laughs> Ooh, right? I would go to church. Man, I'd say it's probably the most sense I've ever been in church. I could actually, I knew what the pastor was going to say before he was going to say it. Like several times throughout the sermon. It happened for, because God was, I, I, I literally, he pulled me out of ministry and sat me in another job in a church, but not where I was preaching because I wasn't going to hurt anybody else. And he goes, now we're going to deal with you. And I sat there and I read those books and he, the soul surgeon, began to come and do what only he could do. But I want to highlight one thing, okay? Um, because uh, just for clarity's sake, when I say issue with women, I don't mean that like I didn't like women. Okay, that's not what the Lord meant by that. What, what, what the problem was was this, and this is where it ties into the soul wounds, is for me, anytime, uh, anytime an older lady would come around that was sweet, that was kind, that was gentle, friendly, uh, I always just like, man, it was like, I can say no, out being weird, uh, it was like my heart would melt because it felt safe, right? And I, and I so enjoyed being around ladies like that. But in a, if a woman came around that was uh, super or hyper opinionated, right? This seemed like they had no filter that always wanted to just say what was on their mind and tell me what I need to do. Uh, those kind of people, anytime that they would start in, I would immediately go in my cave because I felt like I was being attacked or I felt like, man, that I wasn't good enough. And I'm going to shoot straight with you. I still battle with this one today. Okay. But I'm starting to realize what the Lord's doing through this process. Preaching will show you a lot of things. Right? And so what happened was is the wound there was this. It was my mom. 
because that's how my mom was. And so anytime she would write, because my mom, my mom had two levels of speaking, whispering and screaming. <laughs> right? So she could, so she could say, uh, dinner is ready, and you felt like you were in trouble. <laughs> the tone. Right. And so anytime somebody, some lady would approach me with that tone, a man could do it. I'd be fine. But if a woman did it, man, walls would go up and man, I'm ready to get on the defensive. Right. It's either it's either at that point it's fight or it's flight. Am I making sense to you guys? So listen, it's taken me a long time to understand that. Yeah, obviously I knew from the get go that God didn't bring these things up prophetically to shame me, but he brought them up to heal me. Right. But to understand that even now, man, there's a deeper healing process that needs to happen in this. Because why? Because God wants to make us whole. Right. Let me give you another example. And, and this may sound petty to you guys, but I'm actually sharing this one. Yes, to be vulnerable, but, but, but the side, truthfully, is to show you how little things and little moments can cause greater damage than what you think. Okay? Listen, about 20 years ago, probably over 20 years ago, I was a teenager. I fell into this really bad habit of saying negative things about myself. And the negative things were typically, there was a part of me I had to deal with because I was called stupid a lot as a child. So that was a part of it. But, but really when I got older, I began to have this habit of not just saying I was dumb, but I began to say this habit of, of negative things about my appearance. And literally, it didn't matter if I weighed, uh, you know, 140 pounds, because that's where I was at when I graduated high school, and then getting healthy all the way up to 185 growing up. It didn't matter where I stood in the weight of that. I always felt like I was fat. Right? And I would go look in the mirror, and I never liked what I saw, and I felt like, man, I wasn't ever, like, I wasn't good looking enough. Right? And it didn't matter how many old ladies came around and told me I was cute. It didn't change anything. Right? <laughs> Uh, because, in, you know, because in the back of my mind, Tommy and I have a friend. Uh, he's actually uh, one, of the, one of the grooms from my wedding. He's from South Africa. He told me one time, he said, Quentin, the word uh, cute in the dictionary that we use in South Africa, it means ugly but interesting. <laughs> so, so, like, when I came to interview for the job five years ago, I stood in that doorway back there, and this old lady looked up to me, and she just had, she said one sentence, you're cute. And I heard, you're ugly but interesting. <laughs> Right? Thanks, woman. <laughs> right? Whatever. Anyways, so, so fast forward, right? Have it. I mean, literally, being in conversation has nothing to do with it. I pop off and I say something stupid like that about myself. And then, anyways, fast forward. I was, a few summers ago, I was down in North Carolina officiating a wedding. And I was uh, staying with one of my friends. And he's a, he's a prophetic guy, but he's a counselor. He's, he's on staff down there as a counselor. And how many of you guys know when you get around a guy that's prophetic and they're a counselor, that's dangerous. Right? Like stuff happens, right? That you don't expect to happen. Anyways, so we were sitting out on the glider beside this pool. And uh, we're hanging out. I don't know, it's like 10 o'clock at night. And we're just sitting there kind of rocking on the glider. And he's telling me about this training that he went to in Washington uh, where he learned about inner healing and how he'd been helping people that would come see him for counseling appointments, how God was showing up and God was doing things and changing people's lives. And he was just telling me about this and about that. And he was super excited. And in the middle of all that, here comes out of my mouth a comment about my looks. Like that was my bad pattern, my bad habit. It made no sense, right? And, and when I said it, he looked at me and we're sitting shoulder to shoulder. And he said, he said, Q, why do you basically constantly say things like that? I never had anybody check me on it before. Uh, <laughs> and what's so crazy is the Holy Spirit immediately took me back to when I was a teenager. And I saw, like I was there, my grandmother sitting in her recliner, and I'm standing there in front of her, and I remember, I'm a, you know, I'm a young kid. I'm all fired up, pumped, full of energy, right? And I told her, because I'm a country boy from Alabama, I said, Mama, that's what you say when you're country. I said, Mama, when I get older, I'm going to marry a fine woman. <laughs> a fine woman. I'll help you guys with a southern accent. Good-looking woman, right? Like, whoo, like she's going to be hot, right? And, um, and my grandmother did not bat an eye. She said, well, baby, sometimes you got to work with what you got. <laughs> Now, now, listen, I would say outside of my wife over there, right, that woman probably loves me or loved me more than anybody that's ever walked on the face of this planet. I've probably learned more about love from her outside of my wife than anybody else on this planet. 
So I know she meant no ill intentions, but what happened was, is even in that statement that she made, I came in agreement with a lie. And I took it and I repeated it and repeated it and repeated it and repeated it. Am I making sense to you guys? And, and it wasn't until that moment that I realized, man, that, man that, that that came from an unhealthy moment in my life. And I could give y'all plenty more of those. But, but you get the point, I hope, right? I'm just trying to get us to go, look, it could be something major or it could be something small, right? So here's actually what I want to do. I want to end today a little different um, because I want to give you guys some things just basically beyond the knowledge of things we've already mentioned. If I can maybe say it this way, are there any other ways we can discern if we're operating out of unhealthy pieces of our soul? What I want to ask you to do for a minute, I just want you to close your eyes because I don't want you to get distracted by what's on the screen. I want you to get distracted by the person next to you. And, and I simply uh, want us to open up our heart to the Holy Spirit and, and ask Him to reveal some things to us. So I'm actually going to pray. And if you can, just get an agreement. Like I said earlier, man, don't run. Let, let's believe God's a good God and He has the ability to do incredible things in us. So Holy Spirit, we come before you right now. And we just simply open up our hearts. We know that Jesus said that he would not leave us as orphans, but that he would send you. And so we walk with you and we commune with you. And you're the one that helps us grow. You are the spirit of truth. And you're the one that guides us and leads us in all truth. And right now we need some truth in our lives. We need to know where we've believed a lie along the way where we've come in agreement and where we where we have allowed soul wounds either by our own actions or by the actions of others or by traumatic events in our lives we, we've opened up our heart the doorway to our soul at some point and we just simply ask that you would reveal where we've done that in this moment so listen guys i'm gonna keep your eyes closed i'm gonna go down a, a list here but I do want you to hear me, but also I just mainly want you to hear the Holy Spirit and let him do what he does. So how can we discern? Here's a few things that will help us identify if that's the case or not. If we find ourselves reliving the negative events of our life over and over again. If we constantly think about how all of the things in our lives can and will go wrong. If we can't move on emotionally from a past relationship, I, I'm going to pause there for a moment. A lot of times with that one, it's because uh, you, you had sex with someone that you were not married to and you created a soul tie. The next one, if we are obsessive about a particular person or if we are constantly struggling with thoughts of insecurities and feelings like we are less than others, if we have a difficult time in forgiving others, if we have unhealthy mood swings or are constantly negative, critical, or cynical, if we battle with depression, fear, or anxiety, if we overreact to the smallest inconveniences, if we overspend, or maybe on the opposite side, we hoard possessions or money, If we overeat to escape our circumstances, if we struggle with an addiction of any kind, if we struggle with seeing God as a loving father, if we base our relationship with God and others off of our feelings, if we struggle with surrendering and obeying God's plan and God's purpose for our lives, if we constantly need the approval of man, if we find ourselves constantly being easily offended, hurt, or if we harbor bitterness instead of giving mercy, if we get angry instead of loving, impatient instead of patient, mean instead of kind, rough instead of gentle, if we tend to have joy and find joy in intimidating people, if we manipulate people, if we bully people or control them, or if we are consistently having relational conflict with others, especially with those that we love the most. What I mean by that is 
yes, there's arguments. Yes, there's fighting. Yes, there's disagreements. But at the core of it, there's really a lack of trust. There's a lack of vulnerability. And there's a lack of intimacy. Or this, that we find ourselves being envious and jealous or even causing division or strife among others. Like we're the drama person, right? Or this, we're not at peace with ourselves so much so that we have identity issues. And that can be things like homosexuality or that can be things where uh, you give away yourself too freely. I just think this, man, the list could really go on and on. But if we realize or not, these are all telltale signs that we are living out of the unhealthy pieces of our soul. So listen, with our eyes closed today, I, wanna, I want to ask you, yes, once again, what is the condition of your soul? Like, is it healthy? Is it in the process of being healed? Or is it being ignored? Listen, wherever you're at today, please hear the promise of God, because this is what he desires for you. This is 3 John, verse 2. It says, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health, just as your soul prospers. Please understand this. Where it says prosper and be in good health, it's talking about your physical health. And what I found with so many people, even good church people, is this, is that, man, if we get an ache, we run to a doctor. Right? We run for help. You know, I got a pain in my side. I got a pain in my back. I run to a doctor. I run to go get help. But man, we, we, we live for some reason and endure unnecessary pain in our souls instead of running to the doctor who is Jehovah Rapha, who can heal spirit, soul, and body to go for healing for him or from him. And so today, man, I just think, man, what if we actually come to the Lord and we say, God, really heal me of things of the past? It could be from a divorce. It could be from sexual abuse, physical abuse, verbal abuse. It could be from a dad or for a mom. It could be anything only you know. But, man, I'm telling you today that Jesus can do only what Jesus can do, and that's he can heal you. So listen, in your own heart today, can you simply begin to say, Lord, I recognize this is my wound and name that wound. Come on, we're going to take a minute here. Can you say, Lord, this is my wound. I know it. Lord, I'm tired of running. I'm going to bring it to you today. Can you say this with me? Say, Father, I open my heart up today to your spirit. And I ask you to go deep down in my heart. And I ask you in the name of Jesus to bring order where there's been disorder. I ask you to bring light where there's been darkness. I ask you to bring truth where there's been lies. Father, will you make me whole, spirit, soul, and body? God, I ask you, come on, God, I ask you to redeem and restore every part of me. I ask you today to help me to love you with all of my being. I ask you to help me to love people the way you love them. Come on, church, pray with me. I ask you, God, to help me to see myself the way you see me. And I ask, God, if there's any thought, if there's any unhealthy thought patterns, if there's any uh, unhealthy emotional patterns in my life, God, I ask you to uproot them and I ask you to begin to plant inside of me your word that will really produce life. Come on, let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for every person that's here today. Lord, I thank you that there's no shame and there's no guilt in this moment. There's no judgment in this moment. 
because God, you truly love us. And so, Lord, I thank you, God, for coming literally upon every person, upon every heart, upon every soul. And, Lord, I ask, God, that you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God, would begin to bring your filter and that you begin to literally filter out everything that's not of you and every single one of us. And God, I pray, God, as that filter moves through us, that behind it, like a wave of glory, God, would come everything that your word has promised us. Father, that we would be whole, that we would be whole, and that we would be blameless, spirit, soul, and body. And so, Father, we just simply ask today the work that you're beginning in us today. God, we ask that you would not finish it until you uh, complete it, that it wouldn't stop, that we wouldn't run from you. But, God, we would allow you to do what only you can do in our hearts. Lord, we want to think different. God, we want to base our decisions according to your word. God, we want to have emotions that line up with your spirit. And Lord, we realize today, God, without your help, that's impossible. So God, would you come with your empowering grace, your enabling grace. Would you come with the Holy Spirit who is the spirit of grace and help us to do these things. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Well, hopefully y'all got something out of that. Listen, as we, as we close today, let me just reiterate this. L- listen, seriously, y'all look, please. If, if he highlighted something, please don't run, right? Stick with him. Like for me, the things that I brought up earlier, guys, I'm telling you, that was years, years of faithfully uh, reading the books he told me to read, reading the Bible, praying, praying the scriptures that he put in my heart. And, and literally, I, I'm talking about this is not like, oh, I did it one day and I revisited a month later. No, no, no. Listen, it was every single day for years I would go before the Lord and I said, God, you got to change me. God, you got to change me. And, and here's what's so awesome about the Holy Spirit is he didn't, he didn't do me like Peter. <laughs> he didn't just unload the whole lot on me right? He, he, one by one, I mean, yes, he acknowledged it, but he pulled them back layers at a time and he worked with me through the process and he began to make me whole. And so here we are, you know, uh, 17 years later, guess what? We're still working on things, but, but the good news is, is I'm not who I once was. And the better news is, is I'm not who I will be because we're in the process. So, man, li- listen, if I could just clear one scripture over you today, Philippians 1, 6, it says what? It says, be confident. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it, if you'll let him. Amen? Amen. God bless y'all. Thank you for coming today. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless. God bless.